Welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. It's your host, Liz Bullard. For those of you who are new to Coffee and Combos, welcome. This is my podcast where I'm joined by friends, leaders in the community, and other great conversationalists to talk about politics, activism, and wellness. This episode, I am joined by Professor Latanya White as she discusses dynastic wealth, and she explains in detail about her journey and her dissertation and it's a really fun and insightful episode and i really hope that you leave this episode thinking about how do i build generational beyond generational wealth and build dynastic wealth i also hope that this episode leaves you normalizing the conversation around money and wealth building when you're having conversations around wellness because we see the impact of poverty and not having access to resources. It negatively impacts our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, all things that can be changed when we have access to resources. And so I hope this episode leaves you inspired to think about how do you think beyond retirement and start thinking about how do I set up generations and generations and generations for ongoing stability. I also hope that you remember to take time to think about what three things you need to add to your cup to get you through your day and your week, and hope you find Coffee and Combos on Facebook and Instagram. listeners, I have with me Professor Latanya White here, um, and we are talking about wealth building, but specifically dynastic wealth building. And this is a very interesting concept, and we'll get into the reasons why. Um, But first, please, Professor White, um, explain to the listeners about your business, your brand, and also, are you a coffee or a tea person? Ooh, okay. So I'll start with the easier question first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tea person. Um, and I know why. Like growing up, my mom on the way to school, on the way to work, we stopped at Dunkin' Donuts every morning. <laughs> so I think I'm just like, I've had an I've had enough of seeing people drink coffee, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, I can definitely relate. That's like definitely like as a kid, I just remember my mom at even now at Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so then, to your your first question, I have a background. I'm actually an entrepreneurship educator, and no one teaches you how to teach on the collegiate level. <laughs> so when I was asked if I wanted to um, teach the entrepreneurship class, I was like, well you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'll figure it out as I go. Right. And that's, that's what I did. And so 10 years, 10, 11 years later, here we are. Um, but 
in my years in the classroom, I actually transitioned in a lot of different spaces. I served um, with the Small Business Development Center Network at in uh, at FAMU, and I received my certification as a business analyst there. But what really brought me here, what got me to this space of advocating for dynastic wealth is my doctoral research. So I am in the dissertation writing phase now. Um, so hopefully by the time, you know, this episode gets some traction, that, that'll be in the past. <laughs> but um, I entered my doctoral program. I am studying leadership and change with a social mm. justice slant. So uh, we're really looking at power, privilege, and marginalization. And I want to look at wealth and the racial wealth gap in the relationship to entrepreneurship. And that's mm-hmm. how I landed at this concept of dynastic wealth building and, and how I've learned how it's different from generational wealth. That That is awesome. And like, there's so many parts that I, I want to explore in that because um, we're seeing a lot about the wealth gap, uh, even in, in terms of um, so I'm in Connecticut and there was an article about the the wealth gap and it had referenced how like the importance of it. So like those of you who are listening, you're like, well, if we're all making money. Why is the wealth gap important? It's important because when there's that gap, it stops you from and the example that it used is like the doctor was treating a child who had asthma. Right. When the issue is if the child were able to be relocated to a place where um, it had better conditions, then the asthma would be subsided. And so that lack of wealth really stops that ability to have longevity in, in, in stability, whether it's financially, health-wise, mental-wise. So there's really a lot um, that goes into the, the, the wealth gap. Um, can you share a little bit about that, kind of what your research has found what maybe drew you to wanting to explore that more? Yes, and it's it's so systemic. Um, mm. It's almost like, you know, this is a story that's been been written for 400 years, right? And so here we are today in 2021, really trying to to capture and articulate and advocate for the impact that what yes we've experienced as people of color, of people of the diaspora, we are still feeling it today. Um, So there is a book that, and I was just speaking with a colleague earlier today about the relationship between mental health and financial wealth, especially Mm -hmm. in Black families. And we got to talking about this concept referred to as post-traumatic slave syndrome. Mm. And it's a book by Joy DeGruy. She's a researcher at Portland State um, out in Oregon. And the, the, w- when I stumbled upon that book, I was like, this is it. Because what I realized is that identity construction plays a significant role. The way we see ourselves right. really dictates how we show up, what we do, and how we engage with other people. And in the concept of post-traumatic slave syndrome, there's one construct that really stands out that's referred to as vacant esteem. So we know self-esteem and high self-esteem, low low self-esteem, but vacant esteem 
means that you don't feel that you are worthy. You don't Mm. see yourself as being worth the time or the energy or the effort. Like there literally is nothing there. And Mm. to understand how that impacts how I tell myself who I am that shows up in how I relate to people, how I speak, how I dress, how I present myself. And then as a business owner, how I charge for my practices. Mm. So that's so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's so good because I, I hear so many, especially black women, talking about offering their services for free because they just want to reach people. <laughs> Your face is... <laughs> so I'm sure you hear that a lot. Talk yeah. about that because I think it, it, exactly what you said, it's just, it goes back to worth and no one has ever kind of had that conversation about not being afraid to charge. So mm-hmm. please uh, talk about mm-hmm. what you see there. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this since... I just got to settle myself down (laughs) when when talking about this. So from my days uh, working with the Small Business Development Center, more and more, it would be Black women. And my clients were all over the place. Now, the majority of my clients were um, Black or African-American. But within within that cohort, Black women were the ones charging the least amount. Now, there are studies, there is research that shows that on average, black and white, or or rather male and female, black-owned businesses generate one-third of the amount of revenue that white-owned businesses generate in the same category. Mm. And you know, we hear the, the research that black women are among the most educated. So how is it that if we have as much inside and information, we're charging 33% or 66% less than what our counterparts are charging. And it comes back to the identity. It comes back to Mm. our worth and how we construct our worth. Um, And so to, to address that, now there is a sweet spot between offering your services for free because you don't have enough experience versus offering your services at free or low cost in order to get testimonials, in Mm -hmm. order to test out the products and services, in order to develop your community. Those are different concepts, Um, Mm. but it really comes down to what are you going to do now that you've offered it for free or at a low cost? Um, And I can speak to that. I actually just completed In this past February, a free strategy session is called Rewriting Black History. And I met with a small group of Black entrepreneurs every night in February for free at no cost. But I was beta testing this workbook. Mm -hmm. It's a 99-page workbook that I'm like, does this make sense? Does it, is it logical? I got testimonials. I have recordings. And I have a community of ambassadors that Mm. are waiting for rewriting black history in its final draft because they were, they were shooting with me in the gym. Right. (laughs) I I love how you explain that concept of building your community, building your brand, testing out your product, especially because I, I think that 
and this is just my opinion. So y'all, if there's other facts that, you know, don't cancel me. This is just my opinion. You know, I feel like because some, when we're talking about that, that, that dynasty and dynastic wealth, right? The generations, generations, generations. I think sometimes mm-hmm. in the black community, there's not that model to, to pattern out off of. So you're having like, we are a lot of the first time stepping out. And so it's this scary mm-hmm. thing of how, how do I go from being this wage worker who was just told what I'm worth, what I'm getting, for, what, you know, what I'm supposed to have to, I'm going to set up my, my product, my base, my price. And so I like that mm-hmm. concept um, for those that might feel a little bit like I don't have the experience. I don't have the, the following mm-hmm. of just testing it out and then going out there and charging with your, what you're worth. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Because one of the things I try to share is while you may not have the years of experience, mm-hmm. you cannot discount your lived experience. Mm. You can't discount the education or the certifications or the the side hustle experience that you can't discount that that's time that we can't get back and you can get a return on the investment of that time by ensuring that you're charging the value of what you bring to the table that's beautiful because again having that experience of being in the employment or the you know you're working for someone else um, when you show up for that job and you're like, well, I have all this lived experience. They're like, can't use that. Uh, not good enough. Mm-hmm. And when you're working for yourself, all of that, like you are your brand, you are mm-hmm. your business, your experience, your ideas. And it's okay to stand on that and to use that um, when you're presenting your product and your services. Right. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have thrown around this top, this, this uh, word of dynastic wealth, but can you explain, break it down to us? What is dynastic wealth? What is generational wealth? Why is it important? Why do we need to know this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so that's a great question. I actually, so when we think of dynasties, right, we can think of ancient um, Asian culture. We right. can think of TV shows. Mm-hmm. But more relevant, you can also think of political dynasties. So your right. Kennedy families and the Bush families, that concept translates also to business families. So your Rockefellers, your Ford families, the Walton families. So by definition in the literature, a family reaches dynastic status, as you were sharing, you know, us first generation wealth creators, us as first generation black wealth creators, we won't reach dynastic status. Our families won't reach dynastic status until our grandchildren mm. have the financial maturity, you know, psychosocial maturity to control the wealth that we're creating or control the business that we're building. So it's not just that, oh, my grandchild has been born. Or, oh, my grandchild turned 18 or 25. No. Mm-hmm. The grandchild is now in control of the business. They are either the matriarch or the patriarch of the wealth uh, of the family that you and I are building today. So dynastic wealth, different from generational wealth, is that at the outset, we're planning for two more 
generations and not just from me into my daughter or me to my lineage down. So that mm. one major distinction is the length of time where, where the intention lies. But I think more importantly is the directionality of mm-hmm. the wealth. So generational wealth, again, is from me to my lineage down. Dynastic wealth is from me to my lineage down. So me and my daughter, but it's also me and my aunts and uncles, my mom, my grandmother. So it's up. And it's out as well. So it's me and my cousins, me and my siblings. And it just has much more, um, it incorporates so many more voices, so many more lives, Mm. so many more experiences into how this family creates and controls wealth. That is beautiful. And I'm glad you touched upon that because that was kind of like my next question. Kind of also circling back to how you said about identity, mm-hmm. um, you hear a lot about, um, and you see this a lot with celebrities, right? When mm-hmm. they make it out, then they're trying to like give their friends, their community, their mama, the cousins, they're, they're trying to bring everyone out and then their wealth is kind of like over. But I think that to your point, if we shift our mind into that dynastic wealth building, you're doing those same things, but you're thinking differently about how you spend your energy, your resources, and your money. You're saying, okay, who has? It, how can this voice be used to build our dynasty? Instead of you know hiring this business, business analyst, hiring this person to work in this area, and hire, you're looking within your family, say, okay, how am I going to build into you so that we keep this wealth in our family? And you're seeing this kind of like when you look at like the Beyonce's, those who are kind of thinking about their wealth, they're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to train up my daughter. She's going to know how to do this. Okay. Where else? Okay. I'm training up my sister. Mm -hmm. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's, so what you just referred to, that is how, so there's a book that is almost like foundational to my understanding of dynastic wealth building. And it's the title is complete family wealth. And this is authored by private wealth advisors, but they've been doing research for years. And there are five forms of capital that dynastic families are really focused on. And what you're referring to right there is human capital. And that Mm. is, what is your experience? What's your passion? What's your expertise? And how can we use that to either create or control wealth within this family? So you're spot on with that. That's beautiful. If at all, can you share a little bit more about, so why is capital important? And like, what are those other areas of capital mm-hmm. for people that might say like, okay, I don't know if I could do the family part, but what are the other parts that they can explore? Right. <laughs> and so that last part, that's a real thing, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in, in, in black families where mm-hmm. we don't talk sometimes. Right. Mental health is such mm. a taboo thing to approach. There are some relationships within our families that need healing. There's mm. some trauma and pain that we ourselves have to process. So you're absolutely right. Like those things are just as important. And these other four forms of capital, we start with the financial capital, right? Because there will be no dynasty if there is no... <laughs> It's kind of an important part right there. (laughs) And so it really comes back to make sure that you're walking into this entrepreneurial journey, understanding your worth, because if Mm. you're underpricing your products and services, you won't build any financial, you won't be profitable. There will be no wealth to pass down. 
So we definitely need the foundation of financial capital, and then we move into this human capital. But that's where we need to make sure that we're having healthy conversations. And I'll share from my own experience in talking with my family, those early conversations, they were not no walk in the park. (laughs) And so so what ended up happening, I got so much pushback, you Mm -hmm. know, and it was not with any malicious intent. You don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. And so I got to the point where I said, okay, and my daughter, her name is Sparrow. I said, well, Sparrow, it's going to be me and you. We're going to have to to create the wealth. Then whoever wants to be a part of it, they can come and do the learning and do the healing, but I will not be stopped. Like we will mm. not be stopped. So that's going to be something that a lot of your listeners are going to have to come to a place where they're okay being the the trunk of the tree. You, you know mm. what I mean? So that's our financial capital, then human capital. Um, One question that is like wedged in between those is um, this concept of spiritual capital. And Mm -hmm. that is, what will the wealth be for? Why are we doing all of this? Mm, You need that for when it gets hard. And you're like, I need to stay encouraged. So that's very important. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there's a psychological concept referred to as future pacing where Mm -hmm. you try to imagine what your future will look like given a certain circumstance or certain situation today. So the future pacing aspect of dynastic wealth building is if we generate a million dollars today or, you know, a year from now, what do we want that money to be used for 30 years from now or 40 years from now? And so what that does is it, it almost releases that the excitement of, oh, I got it. I better spend it. Let me show what mm. I need. So it releases that kind of internal tension because now you're saying, okay, I'm obligating this to someone I might never meet um, that will be here 30 or 40 or 50 years from now. And I need to be prepared to serve them in everything mm. that I do today. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> because I, I think, and it's key what you you said, we don't have these conversations because we don't know to. And I was talking with um, my mom about that because I recently was going through this home buying process, bought my first home. Thank God. Yeah. Thank you. And like in navigating this thing and navigating kind of taking coffee and combos and, and making it something else. It is scary because you don't really have anyone within your your network to turn to. You have your friends and stuff like that. But again, a lot of them are first generation. And it, it is such a scary process. And I think that we need to start having these conversations and having these conversations about, hey, we just don't have them because we don't know where to start. We don't we never had access mm-hmm. to that. And I think that's how we're we're gonna get our healing as a community and how we're really gonna be able to start building that dynastic wealth. Right. So true. So true. And it's interesting that you, you describe it that way. Um, as I work with black entrepreneurs and really building out, you know, taking those seven steps, I've, I've identified there are seven steps to get to dynastic wealth building. And the first step really is with the foundation and the very first activity that we, after we've gone through like some identity work, 
the very first activity on the business development side is writing out your mission statement. Mm. And I found that there are like four components because ain't nobody got time to read your four page mission statement. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would use the, the mission statement for dynastic wealth builders and for the community that I'm building um, as the example, and there is a linchpin in there that you have to use this really emotional language. You have to get to the heart of how people feel. And mm-hmm. those two words for first generation black wealth creators is isolated and mm-hmm. frustrated. And I'm so, so you literally just validated that for me because I'm like, well, this is how I feel. <laughs> But you're because like, again, like you don't want to say anything because you're like, well, maybe I'm the only one because all these other businesses, they got it. They're established. Right. But like it's so isolating. And so I'm glad. Okay, I'm not alone. You're not alone. And there's power in that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I'm loving this so much. (laughs) Absolutely. You know what? There's so much power in in conversating and. And I encourage, you know, people who are out there, they're like, I got, I got this idea. And I was just recently talking with someone, you know, step out. There mm-hmm. are so many free tools out there, especially if you're just feeling like, I don't know if I, I, can, I can do this a year from now, two years from now. Really investigate what tools are out there so that way you can at least test the water and just conquer your own fears and self-doubt. Because once you do that, I mean, these doors are open. And, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that, you know, you were able to say, you know, I want to explore this. I want to do my dissertation on this. I want to create something. Um, And not just for me and my daughter, but like for generations, Mm -hmm. I think that's so Mm -hmm. wonderful and so powerful, Um, especially as we we talk about uplifting and changing the black community, right? A lot of people don't want to move from, you know, the quote unquote hood to another area. They want to build up where they are Mm -hmm. now. And I think we do that by dynastic wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's just amazing what you're already doing. Thank you so much. I received that. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about the barriers to wealth building? Like what barriers are you seeing? Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about um, the self-esteem and how you see yourself, but what other yeah. barriers do you see? <sighs> so you <laughs> <laughs> really had to. No, take a deep breath on that one. And and the reason that I I need to center myself before I answer that question is because it is such an emotional mm. journey. Um, and, and the things that I've had to read and be exposed to in preparation to write my dissertation. And 75% of what I've read won't go into my dissertation. And I'm like, but wait, like we need to understand that there is systemic, historic, mm-hmm. economic oppression mm-hmm. that has that has really crafted the narrative of the Black mm-hmm. experience. And so some of that research, I mean, I've gone from reading about politics and economics to understanding the 1968 riots. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the Johnson administration issued a whole basically a, a commission to go out and study what's happening in black communities that they keep rioting. And it's called the Kerner Commission. And the commission report basically talks about poverty 
and how mm-hmm. people, black people in, in urban ghettos is what they refer to it as, but they're talking about black ghettos because of course mm-hmm. there are um, white ghettos as well, but they talk about how people are so sick and tired and frustrated mm. and at their wits end with over This is in 1968, <laughs> over-policing and mm-hmm. a housing discrimination that when there were, all we needed was one thing to light the match and right. the cities right. were on fire. And so what we're experiencing today the barriers to wealth building, the lack of access to capital. It's just, it's the same story with different Mm -hmm. characters. Oh, let's talk about it. Nothing has changed. And that's why we have, I I can't remember who, who said it, but no one is coming to save us. I think it was Roxanne Gay. She wrote um, an article and it's no one's coming to save us. <laughs> so listen, it's going to be the you's and the me's and the absolutely. person looking at the mirror right back at you. Like <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so these barriers include redlining um, and access to to housing, right, where we can purchase housing and real estate because that is foundational from a historical perspective. Yes. Real estate has been foundational to wealth generation. Um, What I'll say is, it's the transfer of wealth assets that has really perpetuated the wealth gap. It's that, okay, grandma had, you know, two, three houses and she put the deed in my mom's name, but my mom didn't have a will. Yes. So now we're starting from scratch. Yes. So, yeah. That is, you know, and I think about, it's you know my mom she talked about how you know her parents had had homes and houses and because there wasn't that not no legacy plan you know this one took it and that one took it and then she's starting from scratch which then leads to the next generation starting from scratch and that that really is such a barrier when we cannot pass down if everyone always has to start from scratch you're not going to reach that high. And you're yeah. seeing this with, you know, um, other families, the, the Fours, the Rockefellers, the Kardashians, right? Building this mm-hmm, empire. Mm-hmm. And like, it starts with influence, mm-hmm. right? Like one might say like, hey, all I have is influence. So I'm going to use my influence. And that way, the next mm-hmm. person that ha- they can use their skill. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really yeah. a concept that I think us as a black community we need to start talking about and thinking about if we're going to start breaking some of these generational cur- curses and some of this structural racism, because like you said, no one is going to fix it. Yes. There's talk of policy and how to be more inclusive. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone's not going to look out for you. And so you have to start thinking in terms of how do I build myself and bring myself and my, my dynasty out of, of this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things you just shared there, so there, I I touched on three, I think, forms of capital, financial capital, spiritual capital, that's where will, what is the wealth for Um, human capital, but what you just said about how um, they'll take their influence and use it to elevate, right, use it as leverage, that gets into um, intellectual and social capital. Mm. So intellectual capital is saying, Hey, I noticed that you're a great cook 
let's take, you know, let's talk amongst the family. Let's take out some money from the family bank and let's um, make sure that you get trained in this and that you mm. develop mastery in this. So that's intellectual wealth, but it's the social wealth. It's the relational wealth. It's me introducing my daughter and my nieces and nephews and my cousins and saying, this is the skill because now we've already invested in you developing mastery in this skill. Let me introduce you to the dean of this or the executive vice president of that. And you can um, demonstrate those skills to them. And so now you get to build your own relationship Mm. with this high powered influencer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's also this concept that um, I hear a lot too is um, changing who you are to be palatable for quote unquote white folk or for people in positions of power. And I think that if we, again, we go back to creating those communities of I'm building this brand and I'm going to build this identity and pass it on. I think that's going to just, again, help us as a community to say, this is our identity and and it is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You got it. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I- I'm ready for your book. Listen, I'm like, this is so exciting. And like, you have my wheels turning. Um, a couple more questions for you. Yeah. You talked about um, entrepreneurship and I feel like over the next, especially with COVID, we're hearing a lot about entrepreneurship because jobs, you know, were not stable. And so people had to really think about their side hustle or plans that they wanted to do. Tell me more about what interested you or how is there a link between entrepreneurship and wealth? Great question. I actually, this was about five years ago. I know it was at least four years ago because I had not yet enrolled in my doctoral program, but I was advocating that the entrepreneurship course that I teach is an elective course. It has a prerequisite. So this particular prerequisite is a marketing prerequisite, but there are only two majors out of say the 90 degrees that are offered on campus where I teach, there are only two majors that were required to take that elective course. And so Mm -hmm. what student is going to take an elective to be able to take another elective when I got these required classes? Yeah. Yeah. I have to take. And so I'm, I'm asking, can we remove the elective? Can we maybe even think about just changing the elective? And I got so much pushback. Mm. And I remember being, and this is all through email, right? (laughs) I remember being livid. Like I was reading the email and I was shaking. I was so angry, but I didn't know why. I didn't know how to advocate like professionally Mm. because I was following my feelings. Girl, the struggle. <laughs> right, you're right. And so I, the reason that I know that this was before I started my doctoral program was because about two and a half years into my program, I found the research. I found the data that shows that entrepreneurial families make, okay, so this is the thing. Wealth and income are two different concepts. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So income is literally what you bring into the household, either through employment or through entrepreneurship. This study showed that no matter if you're a black family or a white family, you're going to create more wealth if you're in an entrepreneurial family than really? if you're in an employed family, even if you make the same amount of income. And the study showed that entrepreneurs do different things with mm. their income. Entrepreneurs invest in wealth building assets with their income. They're buying real estate, they're buying stocks, they're buying more businesses, they're putting more money into their business, and that creates more wealth. And so mm. the next step is they transfer that wealth to the next generation. So we can start, everyone starts making 40, 40 grand a year, right? Right. But if I'm an employed family or if I'm in an entrepreneur family, my wealth will go further, faster because mm. of what I do with the income that I make as an entrepreneur. It's, 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 it's awesome. It really is because I think we're all seeing, especially again with COVID, that traditional route of how society tells you of how this is how you build wealth doesn't work for everyone and it doesn't go far. And 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 it's exactly how you said, it's about transferring it to go far. And I think we saw with COVID, right? Because entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial families, um, mm-hmm. dynastic families who have that wealth, they were making money through this because they kind of had planned for this. They're like, okay, how do we mm-hmm. stretch this out? How do we do this? And so they were having mm-hmm. different conversations. Um, and, and so mm-hmm. I, I really hope listeners that you are inspired and encouraged to just think differently about how you are, are, are wealth building. And, and please, mm-hmm. please, please, um, uh, Professor White, her information will be in the information in this episode bio. Please think, look about her up and and ask her questions. Follow her on Instagram, and um, please tell us more about your workbook. Is this something that is going to be offered? Are you doing any classes? Please tell us more about <laughs> how we can 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 hold on and get this information. <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, so rewriting black history, the workbook, it is available. So on my Instagram profile, um, just link, you know, click the link in bio, but in the, in one of the links where it says join the dynastic wealth builders community, that's where first you just get free access to everything that I've learned, all the resources that I use, videos, links, eBooks, like all kinds of things are in there at no cost for free because we need that kind of foundation before we get into the intermediate aspect mm. of rewriting um, black history. So the first place is to navigate and move around the community and engage with the topics. And there's actually a free ebook in the community. Um, it gives the seven steps to dynastic wealth building and really kind of talks through and introduces the reader to becoming fearless. And that is the foundation Mm. of of dynastic wealth building. And so then the workbook, when, when people are ready to engage deeper, that's where the workbook comes into play. And that's available um, in the community as well. So the workbook, and for anyone that's in the text community, they get to name their own price. 
um, until March 31st. <laughs> so join now <laughs> and then you can access the workbook for in celebration of Juneteenth. Um, that's, that'll be here in, you know, however many, Soon. <laughs> I'm going to be doing the video course, um, for rewriting black history. And what we did in February, like I shared, it was kind of the beta where we went through it page by page. That's what we're going to be doing, getting ready for Juneteenth, because if we're talking, if we're celebrating Juneteenth and it was the, the last day of, we actually need to become free economically. And so I want to make sure that I'm creating the space and providing the resources where, where more families and more black entrepreneurs can do that. Absolutely. Again, wonderful, because I I do think that we get scared when we we hear that, that money term or, or wealth, but you know, we need to start charging for our services. That's the only way, like, Again, these these big name companies, right? Johnson and Johnson, all of them that have had this generation, right? They have a a, a community relations or like, hey, I'm, we're gonna put X amount of money into mm-hmm. our community, but mm-hmm. they built that wealth to be able to do that. And I think, you know, again, listeners, if you're like, I, I just want to offer free, I just want to help my community, you can do that, but you gotta have some money yeah. because then you can really help it. And yes, there's grants and stuff like that but they have barriers, they have boundaries. And if you just have your own wealth, you can do whatever you want in the community and you can spend that money however your heart desires. Mm -hmm. And so really just, I hope you are encouraged out there by what you have heard to really think about, I'm gonna build wealth. I am going to use it this way and and really just really take what was said. Um, Please, Professor White, as you continue, Share what Coffee and Convos. I will share your information on my platform because it really is um, iconic what you are doing. And I just just think it is just a world of difference for our community. And so um, just kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I received that. Um, I, I just know that this is work that 400 years from now, when they're looking at economic data, Mm-hmm. This should be the year. They should be able to say it was in 2021 that right. something changed Yes, in Black families and in Black communities, and we have to do it together. So I yes. appreciate you for allowing me to be a part of your community. Absolutely, absolutely. And Professor White, any last words, anything else you want to share before I ask you my final coffee and combo question? Um, I the last thing that I would share just to to put a little icing on the cake as far as how you're encouraging the listeners, wealth is our birthright. Mm. We know that our story, and I'm trying to keep a cap on my emotions as I say this, but we know that the story of people of the diaspora, especially those that live in the United States, we know our stories did not begin in 1619. We know that we came from, we came from royalty. We came from wealth. We are wealth. And we know that there have been families that have built their dynasties on our literal blood, sweat, and tears. So when we, we have gifts, we have talents, there are skills that we have. And when we don't 
serve our communities. We don't serve the world around us with those gifts and those talents. We're leaving our birthright on the table. Wealth is our birthright. And we are here to claim it. We all need to be here to claim it. Beautifully, beautifully said. Um, P- Professor White, please do not be a stranger to coffee and combos. Um, and my my last question, my coffee and combo question is what's in your cup? And this is where I ask my guests and my listeners, what are three things you're adding to your cup to get you through your day and your week? And while you think about your answer, I will give you mine. Okay. So um, definitely adding money to my cup, wealth to my cup, because that is, you know, not only do I want my own deliverance, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to deliver others. And so to do that, I need to start thinking about wealth and dynastic wealth. So mm-hmm. money is in my cup, mm-hmm. community, because like we talked about, you know, it can be isolating as you are trying to to build this, this dynasty and build um, this new community. And so collaborating with others, because sometimes you don't know because you've never had these conversations. And so just collaborating with others to continue to keep your mind open. Um, so collaboration. And the last thing is future. I want to be future thinking. Um, and you've kind of like piqued my interest because again, we're, we talk a lot about retirement and things like that, but I want to think more than that. I want to think more than just one generation. So I'm adding to my cup future, future thinking, community, and, and wealth, dynastic wealth. Professor White, what are you adding to your cup to get you through your day and your week? I am adding productivity mm. to my day. I had to be so intentional because on top of writing the dissertation, I'm writing a book that's not related to my to my dissertation, and I don't I don't know what I was thinking, but it was something that was placed on my heart. And you know, there are only so many hours in a day. I teach. I have a six year old. I'm trying to build a business. I'm writing a dissertation. I literally um, have my alarm set Monday through Thursday for 4:25 a.m. Yeah. 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 And then on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, it's set for 6:50 a.m. because I got to get it in. Like I can't build this dynasty if I and the Bible says this, right? The Bible tells you do not sleep in, do not sleep the day away. So That's right. even though you can do that once you have your dynasty. Yes, okay, you get a little yes. <laughs> that part. (laughs) So productivity, um, also efficiency. Um, There is a, so speaking of money, right, and developing assets and and products, there is a concept that I want you to look into um, for coffee and combos called drop shipping or print on demand. Oh, girl, let me tell, okay, I'm I'm listening. (laughs) So I'll text it to you because I know you're in the the text community. But when I tell you every morning after I drop my daughter off to school, I go and walk for like a mile and a half. And I'm just listening to this YouTube channel that's talking about the best practices for print on demand. And so it gets me like fired up. And that's why I'm like, I got to get up earlier in the morning because I want to do this. Um, So productivity, efficiency and merchandise, because the books are great. Um, the rewriting black history is great, but I'm like, you know, I want people to know what I'm about. 
So yes. that's the next thing. But And so what I'm using is what I'm learning about print on demand to actually create this other revenue stream. So we're going to be doing that together. <laughs> Girl, listen, listen, and, and listeners, I will add this as well. Support with your dollars, whether it is us here, it, whether it's your friend who's having uh, their own business support. Yes, the likes, the shares it, are great. But sometimes like those dollars are helping to build wealth and, and don't be afraid to also charge for your own services. So again, just let's shift. Let's shift in 2021 and really build something. <sighs> Professor White, thank you so much. <laughs> this is not the last time you will be thank with the you. Coffee and Combo community. Um, I look forward to to you. your book, your workbook. Uh, listen, I'm I'm hopping off of here and looking uh, at the workbook and some of the other free <laughs> tools. And I'm also going to look and see what okay. I can buy because, again, we are going to support um, each other in 2021 um, as, as Black entrepreneurs, as females in, in business. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm.